You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Um, We'll cry together later. Um, My name's Matt. For those of you that I haven't met, and it is great to be here. I love the church. Um, I love to preach the word, and uh, I'm just glad to be here. Welcome to you guys online that are watching or listening. I want to give a shout out to this guy named Derek who wrote in this week from Indiana. He listens to our sermons every week when he's driving to work. So Derek, next time you're on the West Coast, look us up, bud. I'll buy you some lunch. Um, We've been, we've been in this ser- series called This We Believe, and basically this is a, a foundational series um, exploring the truths that the church of Jesus Christ is built upon and that we want to build our lives on. So in these opening sermons, we're asking a couple questions. We ask, what, what does it mean to be human, created in the image of God? And then we also asked, who is God, right? What, what is God like? And as we've seen the, the God of the Scripture is one God revealed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We talked about the Father a couple weeks ago. Last week, Gary took us through the Son. Today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, this is almost uh, cliche at this point. We live in a very unstable world, right? We know, we know this. We experience this. Outside influences seem to be at an all-time high. Now, they're coming from everywhere. I mean, some of them are very... Uh, gosh, I don't, benign, you know, like the online, um, what's her name, Daryl Ann, you guys know her, the online influencer, the one that's got uh, Amazon in my house five days a week, I don't, I don't know why Amazon's there five days a week, but, you know, selling her wares and whatnot, some, some influence is fairly benign, but, but some influence in our world is really significant, like the, the, the deconstruction kind of ideology that's going around uh, attacking the foundation of the Christian church. And there's everything in between. And the volume of this, these influences are, are just cranked up to 10 in our culture, in our world, telling us what to believe, where good and evil is, what, what truth is, or rather, truth is nothing until you say it is. And it's loud confusing. Jay talks about uh, functional saviors, right? I call them dysfunctional saviors, but, but the things that we prop up in our life that think they, they can save us, but they can only give us temporary retreat, re- reprieve at best. So in this kind of a world, where do we go? Where do we go to find something solid, a foundation that, that isn't always changing, that, that we can build our lives on, our families on, and our communities on? Where is there strength and power and security? that we can really count on, that it's going to sustain us today and ultimately give us hope for tomorrow. Well, friends, I know a place. (laughs) I have a friend, and I want to talk to you about him today, the Holy Spirit of God. There is nothing more powerful, more significant, more steadfast, more beautiful than, 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 than the person of God as we see in the scriptures, the Godhead, God, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, one person ruling and reigning, sustaining everything. And so that's what we're trying to build our lives on here at Grace. That's what we're trying to build our, our foundation upon. And so I want to think about God today together, and hopefully his unchanging word is going to help us um, do that. So are you guys with me? 
No, come on. You gotta get it. It's going to get a little more fired up than that. Okay. Um, when it comes to the God of the Bible, we often um, can... can uh, relate to God the Son, right? I mean, we are sons. Uh, we know what that's like. It's, it's a very relational term. And Jesus was here in the flesh. We can relate to the Father, right? When we learn as Christians to call God our Father, what, um, that, that conjures up a kaleidoscope of all kinds of different ideas, right? He governs, he guides, he leads, he protects, he cares for his kids. And so we get that. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, many of us are confused, right? Or, or as the old Holy, or the, the old King Jimmy, you say Holy Ghost, right? The King James Bible, some of you guys are still reading, which is fine. But the Holy Ghost, when we think about that, it, it's, it's a little weird. He seems a little out there. After all, what exactly is spirit, right? It's hard to quantify. There's a vagueness. There's a mystery, something spooky about that. It's Halloween, you guys, and some of you guys or your neighbors have, you know, weird spooky stuff on your lawns. Okay. Um, some people think about the Holy Spirit like this. Not necessarily the spooky part, but he's just distant. He's, he's vague. He's, he's cold. He's not, he's not um, like the Father and the Son. But listen, nothing could be further from the truth. And I want you guys to hear this. There is no possession that you or I will ever possess that's as valuable, as powerful, as loving, as helpful, as strong, as dynamic as the Holy Spirit in your life because he is literally the very presence of God among us and personally in our lives. So I want to look at him today. Now most people, when you start talking about the Holy Ghost, they start thinking about Acts 2 where he fell and, and, and empowered the church and, and we'll get there. But, but he's all over the Old Testament. Okay, He didn't start in Acts. Man, he's right there on page 1. Remember this, the Holy Spirit, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and the, the earth was formless and void, and, and darkness was over the surface, and who was there? The Holy Spirit of God. He was hovering over the waters like we just sang about. He's hovering over the chaos to, to, to bring order and beauty. That's what he does. My granddaughter, Ella, and I, yesterday, we're up early. And we're sitting there, and the sun's coming up, and the mountain's out right out the window. And it's funny, she's one, but every time I say, hey, look at the mountain, she goes, she just walks over there, man. She knows. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, look at the creation. She, I was competing with Coco Melon over here, but for a moment, for a moment, I had her, and we were looking. We're just, man, the God, the Father, some spirit. That, that's his work. He creates. The Holy Spirit is an agent of creation. The Holy Spirit was instrumental in the Exodus. Listen to what, I, listen to what Isaiah says. Remember the Exodus when God brought his people out of slavery? Where is he who set the Holy Spirit among them? Like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by what? By the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make a name, to make for yourself a glorious name. It was the Spirit of the Lord that was there, moving. That's how he guided his people. Guys like, like uh, Bezalel and, and Aholiab, these guys, the, the Spirit of God would come upon to, to empower, to make these beautiful things. But it wasn't just trinkets they were making. They were filled with the Spirit's power to reshape a kind of heaven on earth as they constructed the sanctuary of the living God to show us what God's like. And we could go on, man. Uh, Samson, Balaam, Japheth, Gideon, all these, all these people, Azariah in the Old Testament, filled with the Spirit of the living God to do amazing things and speak amazing ways. Now, some of these guys were messed up. 
But God uses what, what he has, amen? amen? That's why we're here. So, so he filled them. And so the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament could also come on a person for a time and then depart, as, as Saul found out. And as David feared when he sinned, God, don't take your spirit from me. And so I just want to give us a brief understanding of the Old Testament. The Spirit of God was very active in the Old Testament. He's always been active. He's not a third-rate God. He's, he's God the Holy Spirit, and he's been working since the beginning. But though he was powerful and active, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament wasn't complete. And this is why he spoke through the, the prophets of this coming age of the Spirit. Look what he says in Joel. He says, one day, my Spirit's going to be upon all people, specifically on God's people, but his influence on the entire world. We know, we know now. Ezekiel. Remember this, the great Ezekiel 36 passage. God's going to cleanse his people because they can't do it themselves. We can't clean ourselves up. And he's gonna give them a heart of flesh and he's gonna put his spirit in these people. And so the spirit is going to dwell one day in God's people, according to these prophets, looking forward personally and permanently. And Isaiah, as we saw last week, he promised, man, there's gonna be one coming. He's gonna bring the spirit. He's gonna be the root of, of, of the stump, from the stump of Jesse, right? He's gonna be a branch. It's this idea that he's coming down the line of Jesse and David, and, and sure enough, last week we saw who that person was. And so, a universal spirit, an, an, an indwelling spirit, and a spirit-empowered Savior, this is the age that the Old Testament anticipates. And so that's what's going on in the Old Testament. What do we see when we get to the pages of the New Testament? Well, as we saw last week, we see Jesus, and Jesus is the Spirit-filled Savior who inaugurates the age of the Spirit, this new way, <clears throat> excuse me, that he's going to be working. Now, there's no fill-ins here, but I just want to highlight, the Spirit was there at the conception of Christ. He was upon Simeon when he prophesied, that's the one in the temple when he saw Jesus. The Spirit rested on Jesus at his baptism. He was full of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted he returned in, in the power of the Spirit. Remember, he laid his, his, the access to his divinity aside and he put on humanity, taking on the form of a servant. It was the Spirit that empowered him through all this. And then, then he shows up in the power of the Spirit, walks into the temple, and declares, it's the Spirit of Lord that is upon me. So from his birth from, to, to, the, to the very end of his life, it was all about the Spirit. He raised the dead in the power of the Spirit. He, he healed diseases in the power of the Spirit. Hebrews says that he offered himself an eternal sacrifice to the Father through the eternal Spirit. And Romans declares him to be the Son of God with power because of his resurrection from the dead through the Spirit of holiness. It's amazing. Jesus, he is the Spirit-filled one who inaugurates and brings in this new age so what do we learn about the Spirit? Who is he? Notice I say he, because the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. When, when you look at how the Scripture talks about him, it's not some impersonal force or active force like some of the cults around talk about. No, no, he's very God. He's a, he's a person. He can be grieved. He intercedes for his people. He testifies, and we also must testify. He creates. He speaks. He has a mind. He, he restrains evil. He can be blasphemed. 
In Jesus' farewell discourse in John 14 to 16, he's gathering his, his, his guys around him. He says, listen, I'm going to send you, and he uses this term parakletos, right? Another helper, advocate, counselor, some of your versions say. And so basically, the Holy Spirit is, is the one who succeeds Jesus. And he says, I will send, give you another advocate. That term, another, he could have used a couple different words, but it literally means another of the same kind. He is the successor to Jesus. He's not Jesus. He's not the Father. He's, the, he's God, the Holy Spirit. And so an impersonal force, just not, it just doesn't fit the definition of the, the New Testament, nor does it fit the definition of Jesus to us, so he is a person. The second thing we learn about him when we look to the Bible is that he is God. Psalm 139 speaks of his eternality, right? Where can, or excuse me, speaks of his omnipresence. Where can I go, David says, from your presence? Hebrews 9, 14 speaks of his eternal, he is the eternal spirit, Acts 5, remember this story when Ananias and Sapphira, they go in, they say, hey, we sold some land, you know, we got this much for it, and they were keeping some back. And then Peter's like, look, how, how is it that you, you've lied to the Holy Spirit? And you've not only lied to humans, but you lied to God. He equates lying to the Holy Spirit with lying to God. And so he is God, but he's not the Father, he's not the Son, the Holy Spirit is God. He's his own divine person, he's not some force. And though he's intricately um, connected to the Father and the Son, the New Testament says things like the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God in, and, and, of, and of Christ. Paul will say things like the Spirit of God lives in you or the Spirit of Christ is in you or Christ dwells in you. Those are three ways of saying the same thing. In fact, the identity between the Son and the Spirit are so intertwined that Paul writes things like this. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and we are all being transformed into his image, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So they're not one in terms of being, but they're so um, on the same page. They're so connected. They're so united in their mission, in their shared redemptive activity. So the Holy Spirit, he's, he's another helper. Okay, he's, this, he's, he's a glorious other helper. He's the very presence of God and of the resurrected Christ on earth. That's who he is. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had a sore throat today, guys. What does he do? Okay, because I think the best way of understanding who he is, is is by watching how he operates. And so th there's, a, there's a lot of things I could say. We're gonna, it's going to be limited today because of time, but um, let's look at the first thing he does is he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Spirit comes with this, this convicting, this uh, exposing power. He's like this giant searchlight that's going all over the world. And it's like the whole world's sitting down at a party, right? They're having a feast, prime rib, it's all roses, Zinfandel, good times. And it's like he comes in and flips the light switch on. And all of a sudden you see the walls have cockroaches running up, there's trash all over the floor. And it's at that point we realize that we're not as good as we think we are. That's one of the things he does. The Holy, when the Holy Spirit convicted me, I was watching my wife. She got saved. I wasn't happy about it. She got saved. I'm watching God change her. And I can't deny what I'm seeing. And, 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 I, and I wasn't some terrible guy. I mean, I love my wife. We're raising our kids. Had a couple kids down on the coast. And <clears throat> But he was convicting me of my unbelief. 
in Jesus. My, my, my refusal to believe and his weight was upon me. Maybe he's convicting some of you. None of us who have come to Christ uh, have come to Christ without the conviction of the Holy Spirit working in us. And I praise God for that work because, because that's what turns us around. That, that's, that's what at least starts to open our eyes. That's part of his ministry. That's what he does. Look what else he does. The Holy Spirit converts from death to life. Remember this story in John 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of night? <clears throat> he shows up there, and I think he's, he, he's legit, right? He's a little cowardly. I mean, he you know, doesn't want these guys knowing he's there, but he's there. And Jesus says to him, he says, listen, you're missing something. You need to be born again. You need to be born from above, which follows this, or which then he gets in this interesting conversation of re-entering mom's womb, and I'm just like, yeesh, dude, you're a way literal, this guy. I'm like, okay. Anyway, he says, but Jesus, I know you've got power. I've seen it. And, and it's as if Jesus is saying, look, I don't care if you see the miraculous power. I want you to experience the miracle of God in your heart. That can only be done through the power of the Spirit. Jesus says, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, no one can enter the kingdom of God. He's, he's pointing back to Ezekiel's prophecy. There's a day coming where the Spirit's going to cleanse you. He's going to put a new heart in you. And unless that happens, you're never going to experience the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is what the Bible means by conversion or regeneration. Look how Titus says it. When the kindness and the love of God appeared, he saved us not because of us, but because of his mercy. He saved us through, and this is the how, the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit of God who he poured out through his son Christ into our lives. God the Holy Spirit, if he doesn't awaken us up and, 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 and show us the vileness of our sin and the preciousness of Jesus, we're never going to see it. The Holy Spirit is so precious, you guys. His, his conviction eventually led me to my own, I call Nicodemus moment. <clears throat> I was in Astoria. Spirit had been, I mean, my wife and I have been talking about the word, and I'm just like, Ew. but something was... So I go into this Astoria Christian bookstore. It used to be there back in, I don't know, 90s, early 90s. And I, and I sneak in there. I don't want any of my friends seeing me. And I walk over to the Bible, and I'm scared. I'm, I'm a man, and I'm scared. I'm in this Christian bookstore. Something, there's something going on. And, and I'm standing there, and this guy comes up, and he's like 6'4". He might as well have been 10 feet tall, right? Ex-heroin addict, got saved, married this lady who... And he says, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, nothing. Uh, I said... Uh, I'm looking at Bibles, and he hands me this Bible, this old New King James Ryrie study Bible, brand new, and he says, here you go. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, God told me you were coming in today. I'm supposed to give you this. And he starts walking off, and he stops. I'm completely freaked out at this point. I'm like, okay. And he says, hey, can my wife and I pray for you? And I'm like, what do you say? Someone just gave me an $80. I'm like, sure. They closed the store. They flip the sign around. They turn the front. We go down in the basements in Astoria. I mean, it's spooky. It's moist. I know how much you guys like that word, moist. But it's moist. It's, there's a chair. I'm like, they've done this before. And I sit down on this chair, and she breaks out this oil. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church. The only oil you'll ever find is at the bottom of a fried chicken bowl after the potluck. Right? We didn't do this. She puts oil on my head. She starts praying. I don't know what she's saying. Okay? Tongues, okay, she's, she's doing something. He's praying very intelligibly, and I hear what he's saying, and I'm sitting there, 
and there's this weight, and hard to explain. I don't know what was happening. I had no clue. I just knew that something was, and I needed to get out of there. And so I got in my car, and I flew home down to Seaside, run in the house. Rhonda's on the phone. Hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. I said, you're not going to believe what happened. Tell her the story. And I look at her, and I say, I think God's trying to get a hold of me. And, and I started reading that Bible with a mustard seed of faith, like maybe there's something. And the Spirit of God opened my eyes, showed me my sin, showed me who Jesus was. I mean, I'd heard portions of the Bible growing up. Man, nothing. I'd been to church, nothing. It was like Rhonda was reading a different Bible than I was. You know why? Because she was. Look what, look what Paul says about, about the Spirit of God. We who have received, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. The person without the spirit doesn't get it. He doesn't accept the things that come from God, from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. That's the camp I was in, but the spirit was converting me. He was showing me. He was moving me. They're only discerned through the spirit. Unless the spirit of God opens your eyes, you're never going to see him for who he is. And he did that for me. And he showed me the offense of my sin to God. And he showed me the preciousness of Jesus. And in those quiet moments in my bathroom, in John, John 14, 6, man, I'm the way, the truth, the life. I said, if you are, I want you. I want to know you. He opened my eyes and he gave me new birth right then. You know what else he does? He, he applies, praise the Lord for that. I didn't, I was nothing. I'm a guy. He applies Christ's benefits to us and he indwells us as believers. So what do I mean by this? Think of everything Christ has accomplished for us. Look look at what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ, that's ours. That's us. That's who he's talking about. And in Corinthians, Jesus is our wisdom. He's our, he's our righteousness and holiness and redemption. That's who we are in Christ because the Spirit has indwelled us. But, but how does he apply what Jesus did to my account? What is that like? Listen, it's supernatural. And the, only, the best text I know to, to look at it is Romans 8, the great 8 of Romans. Essentially, and I, we don't have time to read all these texts. Essentially, here's what he's saying. When the Spirit indwells us, we have the Spirit of Christ. And if we, if anyone, if we have, if Christ is in you, then though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of his righteousness. Theologians call this a foreign or an alien righteousness that is, that is given to us, that, that changes something in us. We'll talk about sanctification in a second because we have a role in that. We work with him, but, but not in this. He fills us. He applies what Jesus did to us by our faith. Not because I did something right. By our faith. It's an amazing, amazing promise. And then look, then look what he says. He says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves. Right? It's not that slavish fear that we've talked about. But rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. It literally, the spirit of God adopts us into the family of God. And it says sonship... And this is, this is why we're all children. This isn't leaving the ladies out, but remember in this culture, it was the firstborn son that received the, the double portion. So he's saying all of us in Christ, Jew, Greek, slave, free, doesn't matter where you're from, what color your skin is, or what you believe, uh, unless you believe in, it, it, only that you believe in Jesus Christ. 
And those are the ones that he gives his spirit to, and that spirit transfers us into the kingdom of God, and we are adopted as his children. There's no greater promise than that. And how secure are you? Look what Paul says in Ephesians. You heard the message, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. How secure? Man, you're sealed. The Spirit of God is like, it's like he's stamped in your heart, which guarantees that you are in God's family. Nothing ever to remove that seal. Thanks be to God. Because this is how we have communion with God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And this is why Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, he said things like, listen, it's better that I go. I know you don't get it right now, but it's better that I go because because I'm going to send the Spirit. He's going to fill your lives. And and so you don't have to go to Palestine now to, to, to be in the presence of God. He's right here in Gresham and Boring and Damascus. He's in you. He's in me if you believe in Jesus Christ, look what he says. And, and you were included, oh, we just read that. Next one. Do you not know, and he's talking to the church collectively, do you not know that, that you yourselves are the temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And some of us need to remember that today. The spirit of God is here with us and in us. He's doing something in our midst. Man, coming out of the darkest days of my life this last year after losing my son-in-law, Grant, you guys know this, you were there, you were praying for, you were with us. I was lost. I mean, I was in the fog of grief. Never have I experienced anything. And I've had some loss in my life. It was the heaviest, darkest days. It was almost unbearable. When all we had was groans, agony, laying in the hallways, tears, just, ah, God, help us. That was our prayer. It was all we could get out. God, help us. The Spirit of God was right there in the middle of us, holding us together, interceding on our behalf. And you guys were there, bringing ribs. Praise God for that. But, but you were there praying for us. You were, the, the, the worship team had literally set up on our porch, and they're interceding. They're lifting us up. My daughter's sitting there in the window with little Ella, and the Spirit, you guys are singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, praising the Lord, worshiping Him for His goodness, even in the midst of tragedy, because of His eternal Spirit that gives us life, even in the midst of death. Man, I could, I could preach that, but we got to move on here. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ in His Word. When he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own, but he'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Now, important to remember, Jesus is speaking to his 12 disciples specifically, and we'll see why that's important. They are the ones that are going to be led into all truth. And this refers to the the whole truth that's bound up in Jesus and who he is, about what his life means. The Spirit's going to illuminate things to come. This isn't necessarily in a predictive sense, but it's going to show them what what his death, resurrection, and exaltation actually means in light of all the scriptures and everything that's been said about him. This is why he says, my fa- my, the advocate's going to be sent by my father. He's going to teach you everything. He's going to remind you of everything I said. Why is this so important? Two things. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
This means that the Spirit is responsible for the truths that the apostles preached and wrote down for us today. And so we should have an immense uh, confidence in our, in our Bibles today. Because this wasn't just some, some man's idea. Look, how, look what Peter says about it. Above all, you've got to understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Prophecy never had its origin, origin in the human will. This wasn't man's idea. But the prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along. I love that image. Filling them up with the Holy Spirit of God. And so when we read our Bibles, we hear from the Spirit. When you, when you go to your Bibles, man, we got to pray. Spirit, show us, open, show us the significance of this for my life today. Man, he wants to show up for you. Those pages of your Bible, some of them getting dusty, you guys. Get them out. They're spirit-saturated pages that will bring life to your soul. This sermon's for me, okay? You guys, you're welcome to listen. But this is, this, this was, Sean says, Matt, this sermon's for you. A couple weeks ago, I said, I know it is. We need the Spirit every day in our lives. And neglecting the Spirit neglects our very lives. It's stupid. It's like, you know, he who loves himself, or he who loves his wife loves himself, right? That'll, I'm starting to understand what that means. I'm 52. I'm like, oh, yeah, things are going a lot better if I, you know, anyway. Uh, another sermon. Second thing, second reason this is important, glorifying Christ. The Spirit glorifies Christ. That's the evidence of the Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit is a serving spirit. He speaks only what he hears. Listen to what uh, the theologian G.I. Packer says. The Spirit's message is never, look at me, come to me, get to know me, but it's always, look at him, see his glory, listen to Jesus, go to him, have life, taste the joy and peace that he offers. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ in his word, man. Don't ever forget that. Here's a big word. The Holy Spirit sanctifies believers in giving a new position and new power. Sanctification, big theological word. Justification, sanctification, all these things. It's, it is positional. We are sanctified. We're set apart now in Christ. But usually when we talk about this, it's, it's how the Spirit is helping us to be obedient and live lives differently than we would live on our own in our own selfishness and sin. So Philippians, Paul writes things like this. Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds scary. He says that because the way, we lives our li- the way we live our lives has weight. It has significance. It's heavy. Don't just think it's no big deal. It is fear and trembling. Remember, we're children, so we're not scared of dad, but there's a weight to it because it's God who works in you. That's the Holy Spirit. And to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He's not, he's not left us on our own here, you guys. We're called to, to, to strenuously uh, work at killing the flesh, but it's the Spirit of God that will enable us to do that. We can't do it on our own. First or Second Peter, his divine power has given us everything we need to do this. The, the Bible's not some cheap infomercial that, that says, live your lives better and then stands on the side. You can do it, you can do it. No, he gives us real power. There's real power at work in our souls that's that's producing this gospel fruit that that comes from from the Spirit of God. He wants to do that, man. We have to, I I ask him every day, now fill me more. Give me more of your Spirit. And as we begin to grow and share in in the things and and imitating Jesus, that's that's what Paul's talking about where he says that that, uh, through these precious promises, you may participate in in the divine nature. He didn't say we're little gods. He's saying we're being transformed into the image of his son day by day. 
So precious. So precious. He reveals, well, how does he do this? Okay. He reveals sin in our lives. We're saved, we're children of God, walking, gone, gone down this road, our lives are sin. Okay? Made bad choices. And he convicts us of that. The weight of the Spirit's on us. And at that point, you've got a choice. You can either continue to walk in your own shame and guilt farther and farther away from Christ. You know, ah, what is he? He doesn't want anything to do with me. Why, why would he want to do, you know? What does he want with me? I'm a, I'm a freaking loser. I'm an idiot. I, keep, I can't believe I'm back here. You can, you can do that. Or when he convicts you, you can believe what the word of God says, and, and, and you can, you can, you can like, like what John says, if you claim to be without sin, you're lying. So let's not pretend we've got it all together. We don't. But he says, but if we confess those sins, and I suggest at that moment that he convicts us, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. You got to believe that more than you believe your own conscience. That's the truth. Bill Bright, years ago, wrote this book about uh, being uh, the Holy Spirit, right? Supernatural life. He talked about this concept called spiritual breathing, and I love it, and I forgot about it, and I'm, I'm incorporating it back into the life again. Like I tell Jay, we're turning this franchise around, okay? Spiritual breathing, he calls it. And he says, the moment that you're convicted, you breathe out. God, forgive me. I can't believe I'm doing this again. You might have to go con- uh, confess to someone else that you've offended. You, you do that. And then right then, breathe in, but you have forgiven me. You have washed me. You have regenerated me with your spirit. I'm clean. I'm your child. And you start going. So you don't have to stay in your sin for hours, weeks, some, sometimes years, moments. Believing what God says. Don't you believe that? We don't act like we do. Why would you live a defeated Christian life? He's given you the spirit. Nobody today should walk out those doors who knows Jesus Christ carrying anything with them. We leave it all here. We confess it, some some to each other, but we confess it. We walk in the power and fullness and newness of God. You know what? I don't have time to explore how the Spirit equips us and fills us. I'm already pushing it. But but let let me just say this. And I know some of you guys, yeah, let's talk about the tongue. This isn't that sermon, okay? Nobody's going to be rolling down the aisle, all right? It's not that sermon. But... um, the Spirit of God gives gifts. He pours out gifts to the church. He, he fills us with power. When I got saved, you know what he did? He gave me, the, he gave me a gift of teaching and preaching. Now listen, now listen to me. Not that I was some great preacher. You guys know I'm rough around the edges. I get it. But he put a, a passion for his word in my heart. I didn't do that. I couldn't do that. He put a passion to, to speak. Man, I'm in the coolers sharing with these guys. I'm selling beer and wine. I'm like, dude, you wouldn't believe what I read in Genesis today. They're like, what? I'm like, no, just hear me out. And, and, and at the church, after a year, the pastor, I was bugging him all the time. He said, you ought to teach a class. I'm like, really? <laughs> he says, yeah, we've got a fourth grade class and he's a teacher. I found this when we were moving. This is, this is my own design. I, I got a patent trademark on this. I said, all right. God, I used to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Every day, read my Bible. I couldn't get enough of it. I had to leave by six, so I had an hour with God. And I started writing these lessons. This is Sword Search. Sword Search presents. Uh, First John. Mind you, these were fourth graders. Who wrote the book? And, and I didn't want to do David C. Cook. It seemed weird. So I said, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm teaching. And I take it in there, and these kids did it. 
And Bashir's would be proud of me because I even gave tests. I gave little quizzes, <laughs> right? We studied the book of James. Cool. Uh, in your own words, write a paragraph. And they did it. And it was, it was amazing. God put that in me. And, and he says, you know, develop those gifts. There's some gifts that can be developed. There's some gifts that God pours out, and it's a manifestation of his glory. And, and you start speaking a word of wisdom to somebody, or, or you heal somebody. You know, he does that. We believe he still does that. We don't believe the gifts are for yesterday. They're all active today and available. That's what we believe. We can debate about it, but that's what we believe. But he gives gifts, and it's, it's the Spirit who chooses how and who to give the gifts to. Let me go back. After the church prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and he filled that place with his Holy Spirit. And here's the three things that always show up when the Spirit of God shows up. You proclaim the gospel, right? There was a bold proclamation of the gospel. And all the believers were one heart. There's unity there, always unity. That's why when we're divided, man, he hates it. And, and finally, there's generosity, right? His grace produces generosity in the lives of his people. Okay, we got to land this plane here. Um, this is too important to miss. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Our faith is intricately connected to our joy and experience of the Spirit of God. Right, the more we trust his word, we set this banquet before us of God's word and we begin eating and devouring these truths and, and, and when our lives, when it all hits the fan, what do we do? We don't, we don't bail. We do like the psalmist did and we, we, we preach to ourselves, why are you so downcast? Think about the promises you've got today. Yeah, this is an ugly situation, but this isn't gonna last and we preach the gospel to ourselves and it brings new hope and new fervor knowing that the spirit of God is in us wanting to, Give us the power and the joy, the very joy that Christ had. Okay, worship team's going to come up here. A couple things as we close. Do you ever feel like you're kind of out there on your own? I mean, like, like nobody really gets you. Like, like you've, been, you've got this wife or husband, and, and no one really showed you how to do it. I mean, you saw your parents, and they fumbled through it, but... Or, you know, your, your work, maybe your divorce, maybe you're experiencing betrayal, or maybe you're the person that actually did the betraying, and you feel like you're out there on your own. But brothers and sisters, the Word of God says, man, you got help, real help in the Holy Spirit in your life, guidance, someone who will lead you. And listen to these words, some of my favorite in all of Scripture. Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to send the Spirit. But look, look, at, look how he finishes. I will not leave you as orphans. Man, I feel like an orphan sometimes. I, I, mean, I know I'm not, but I feel like it. I will not leave you as, that's the heart of God for us. But I will come to you. And in your greatest need, when you cry out, he will come to you. Look, he's given, he's given us each other. I mean, we've got lots of help right here. But the Spirit of God will come to you. And secondly, do you ever feel like your Bible's just all locked up? Like, like, like you read and you're like, what is it? I just don't get it. There's nothing. And what if you approached it? You got your coffee, you got your candle, whatever, however you do. What if you said, Holy Spirit, I need you. I want you to sh show me what you're saying to me. Show me the significance of your word in my life. Man, I guarantee he'll show up for you. 
He'll show up for you. And some of us are far away today. Some of you have never come to faith in Jesus Christ, and it's the Holy Spirit that you, if you feel that conviction, it's the Holy Spirit that's weighing you down, that's pointing you to Jesus Christ. I pray that today is your day of salvation. Today is the day that you say yes. Mustard seed of faith, just step out, see if he shows up. And some of us need to confess some sin that we've been carrying around, weighing us down. We need to walk out of here in the newness and power of the Spirit of God. Man, that's our prayer these 40 days as we're praying. I want, I want that, that, that Acts 4 thing going on in here. I want God's Spirit in here. I want us unified. And I want the generosity to flow out this building into our communities. And people will see Jesus and they'll glorify the Father. That is my prayer for us. Let's worship. Ephesians 4, as we close, we walk out of here. Listen to this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and He's in us all through the power of His Spirit. Man, may, may you walk in that this week. God bless you. I love you guys. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.